Hello, welcome to Totem Talks. I'm Helen Fruin. I'm Mark Smith. And today we're talking about competence over confidence. We are indeed. It was International Women's Day not too long ago. We agreed to look at uh, content around underrepresented groups. Now, so if you're running a program like a women's leadership development program, uh, an employee resource group development program, it's saying, hey, you're an underrepresented group at our leadership levels. We're going to run a program to help you develop. That's great. In isolation, it's not enough. How do we look at the broader system around how we develop or promote confidence when we need to be promoting competence. And that's what we're exploring today. It is indeed. It's a particularly weird one because what we're about to say is that training alone is not entirely useful. Mm-hmm. And we're a training provider. Mm-hmm. So we are kind of shooting ourselves in the foot just a little bit here. No, not at all. I'm going to say that all day, every day. Training is not enough. Oh, we're doing a, So one of our big projects at the moment is customer service training. You can't just do customer service training. You've got to have everyday conversations around what's the system, what's the process, what's the feedback to make sure customer service is always front and center. And so if you say, I want to develop underrepresented groups into leadership levels, I'll give them some training. What's the system? What's the process? What's the culture? If you have a system that has led to underrepresented groups in the first place, Giving those people training like it was their fault in the first place is not going to be enough. So we've chosen the title Competence Over Confidence because it's one of the biggest bugbears that we have, both in the workplace and actually in our private lives. We often promote people because they're confident. We often Mm -hmm. give them the job because they come across as confident. We often vote for our leaders because they come across as confident. Actually, competence is more important Mm -hmm. across the board there. And we're finding out across the workplace at the moment that people who have the ability, the gift of the gab, the ability to, to sell themselves very well, they're the ones being promoted. And I think there's even a book floating around. The title of it is... Why Do So Many Incompetent Men Become Leaders? Perfect. Now, you've read that book. I have not. Mm. Any good? Very good. The TED Talk's brilliant. Is it? I've, yeah. I've not seen it. I didn't very know that. Very entertaining. Ah. So give us a quick synopsis of that before we get into chewing up competence over confidence. So the, and, and, and to call out men, why do so many incompetent men get become leaders or, or get promoted makes this sound like it is specifically a gender issue. And it's not just a gender issue. There is a systemic historical thing that men get promoted more. Men tend to be more assertive, more confident, have more of the gift of the gab. But that's a very sweeping generalized statement there are plenty of women who are assertive confident gift of the gab and yet on average what you see is that it's men who have that and men get promoted so you've got these men who sound confident they know what they're doing you think because they've got the gift of the gab so they get promoted and they don't know what they're doing they don't know how to lead a team and in fact because When you've got a level of confidence that overtakes your competence, as in you are overconfident, you then become complacent and you lack the brilliant leadership skills of listening, empathy, taking people with you. Uh, So it's a very entertaining TED talk and book. Uh, Thomas Chamorro Pramuzic puts all of the data behind 
you know, I can just talk about it from an anecdotal perspective. He's got all the talent data. He works in talent data analytics. So this is where people are scoring on competencies. These are the people we're promoting who don't score highly on key leadership competencies and yet we're promoting them and then they're failing. Now, I can't say his name, so I'm glad that you did, but I'll put a link to uh, his TED Talk and his book in the description below. So our view on competence over confidence, what do we actually mean by that? How are we assessing for competence then if we're already acknowledging that we possibly are looking more towards the confident leader? So I guess the first thing is to acknowledge, as we always talk about with unconscious bias, we have a bias. It is something that we don't necessarily recognize. One of the forms of unconscious bias is called confidence bias. So we have a bias, all of us, to be swayed by somebody who sounds confident. Mm. So the first step is to acknowledge that we have that. And if you find yourself in an interview or a promotion review, talent review, thinking, oh yeah, that person, you know, they always stand up. They sound so clear and assertive in meetings. I think they're great. Just to acknowledge, oh, that could be an example of confidence bias is a really helpful starting point. And then we can say, what are the competencies we're looking for? So yes, being able to speak up clearly in meetings, that's probably a competence we are interested in. And what other competencies are important? Does that person also listen to other people's contributions in meetings? Do they encourage other people to speak up in meetings or are they just the one always doing the talking? So as soon as we start to better define, hello, this is going back to role profiling earlier this year, as soon as we better define the competencies we're looking for, we can think about how to measure for them. Perfect. So we would actually recommend going back to our first two podcasts of the year. It's almost like there's a series that we're planning. It's like we thought about it. It's like we thought about it for the year. So we've talked there about the competence piece over confidence. You mentioned earlier systems and processes, and I've obviously got a fair idea of this. Um, But your view, please, on the what are the most common systems and processes that you come across that have kind of limited um, marginalized groups progress within companies? So what we're talking about here is the system of how people get promoted or the process that surrounds talent review. So a lot of big corporate companies will have a talent review board. So they sit down usually once a year, sometimes twice and say, okay, let's look at each person in your team. Who's doing well? Who do we think is showing potential? How are we reviewing that? So you've got the the broader system, and I don't mean a system like a technology system, I mean the, the way that we operate. Mm-hmm. You've got the cultural system around, we promote for confidence, we promote people who are more extroverted and speak up a lot in meetings. You've got that as a system, or we promote men who are part of the old boys club. That's a classic system that has issues then for underrepresented groups. And who are those men tending to hang out with? Men who look like them who tend to also be white and of a certain age. And so you just naturally see, if I look at my LinkedIn network, it is largely white women. If a white middle-aged man looks at his LinkedIn network, it will probably mostly be white middle-aged men. To challenge that system, to say, well, if I want to promote people, am I only going to promote white women? Because that's all I have in my LinkedIn network. Now, I've since realizing that gone out to challenge that and change my LinkedIn network profile that's an example of challenging the system changing the system in terms of the process 
we've then got to look at how is that talent review board making decisions and again what you'll see there is the confidence bias coming through so I've got a process that says who's performing and who's showing potential but we haven't clarified how we're measuring potential so somebody will come to that talent review board and say well this person's showing potential in my team why do you think they're showing potential because they're confident because they speak up in meetings now if I am the only black woman in a room full of people and I already feel marginalized because I don't see anybody who looks like me how much extra effort is it going to take me to feel confident enough to speak up and so if you were then to place that one black woman onto an underrepresented groups development program is it really her issue that she can't speak up or is it the broader thing that she can't as the saying goes if you can't see it you can't be it Mm -hmm. how do we address that and create a better, safer space for her to thrive. Mm, absolutely. Uh, I mean, out of curiosity, why do you think that our company has only employed women? I'm the only man that's ever been employed by Totem, mm-hmm. and that's—I don't think that was purposeful, was it? No, absolutely not. Nobody how, how sat down and said, "Let's only there? recruit I mean, women." You know, if, if we're talking about processes, I, I you know, how, how have we ended up there? Actually, absolutely. So there is certainly something here about our industry that there are more women who work in HR and learning than there are men. So there, there is an industry trend. Uh, if I look even at my uh, masters in occupational psychology, there were only two men out of twenty-five people. Wow. So. There is that industry trend, but that's not enough by itself because there there were two men there, right? So two men out of Mm. 25, you'd say, well, then where is that percentage being reflected uh, in the industry? If I think of them when we have recruited and we've interviewed male candidates for jobs at Totem. Have we? Yeah. Who? Uh, I've interviewed two associates and one employee. They didn't show the competencies we were looking for. Interesting. I mean, it's not like we hire often, but... No, and, and I'm talking here as well about hiring employees and uh, associates or freelancers. Mm. Um, but, you know, I'll always have the same process that I go through. There are set competencies I'm looking for. If I don't see them, they don't join. Mm. Which makes my presence here even more distinguished. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, we were talking earlier about one of the things that we can actually do. So instead of pointing fingers and saying it's all very bad, actually it's not very bad. We don't think training is the only solution. In fact, we were talking earlier about mentoring. About mentoring, yes. And it's probably one of the most powerful ways that we've seen to overcome almost any system or process that you've got that might be inhibiting progress. We think it's a greater value add than training. I'm going to say that out loud as a training provider. And so we would highly recommend mentoring in many different forms, actually. And I think you've got more specific examples to share. Yeah, because so first off, why are we saying that mentoring is is so powerful? Uh, If you think again about the system, the the cultural system. So if I'm old boys club or um, I'm I'm there and I hang out with the people, we we all have affinity bias. We like people like us. So I am going to find bubbly extroverted women and I'm going to invite them out to the pub Mm. so that means if I'm working with somebody who doesn't drink or somebody who's more introverted they are going to be marginalized in my business although your expenses form at the end of the month would be a little healthier 
well, I'm not sure it would reduce me enjoying <laughs> that expenses form. But anyway, um, so my my cultural system for me to be a bubbly extroverted person who likes going out drinking is marginalizing, is, is meaning that other people can't be developed. Mm-hmm. So let's then think about how that affects who I bring along to meetings. So I'm going to go meet with the CEO and uh, I think, oh, I'll, I'll take someone along to help progress their career. I'm only going to choose from the people who I hang out with. So through mentoring, if you start putting different people into that group, so I'm now mentoring someone who's from a different team, they're introverted, they don't like drinking, they're, they're totally different from who I would normally bring into the fold and get exposure to senior levels, have the opportunity to build their brand at senior levels. A mentoring structured program says to me, you, Helen, as a senior leader in this business, you need to mentor this person and give them those opportunities. So instead of just giving the individual training and saying you need to go find those opportunities, it's the mentor's responsibility to become like a sponsor mm-hmm. who says, I'm going to take you to that meeting. Now, what if you then had five of those mentors across different parts of the business and you're then getting more of these opportunities to gain exposure to senior levels, to grow your brand at senior levels? You're actually then bypassing the system that doesn't work. Mm. Yeah, that's why it's so powerful. Yeah, it's it's, it's excellent. Um, have we got any? We ever don't think we've got anything about mentoring on our website. Well, then we should create something. Then I will go away and and, and make it happen. Mm-hmm. So, on the assumption that I did actually do that, listeners, it's now on our website. And if not, I am still tippy tapping away. <laughs> uh, perfect. Anything else you want to add on competence over confidence before we wrap this bad boy up? I guess it's just, uh, so somebody asked me recently on International Women's Day, we had a number of events, as you might uh, expect, where we were asked to speak to clients about this. And one of the questions that came in was, you know, as somebody who's in one of those marginalized groups, who's been put on the training program for me to do something about being in a marginalized group, what can I do about confidence bias? What can I do to challenge that? And my response was, you know, the first thing is just to start talking about it because most of us have never heard of it. Mm-hmm. So what if we started sharing it with our team? Have you ever heard of confidence bias? Have you ever heard of this idea that we might get wowed by style over substance mm-hmm. in an interview or a promoting board, talent review board? Yeah. If you start talking about it, people become aware of it. You can start saying, well, actually, that's not so good because we're recruiting people or promoting people who don't have the skills we need. So what can we do about it? Let's look at the skills. Let's look at the competency profiles. Great. So that would be my encouragement is start this conversation. And if you've been inspired by the mentoring piece as well, do have a look at our article on that because I will put all of the top tips in there on how to get a mentoring program that makes a difference. Perfect. Thank you. Next month, what are we covering? Next month, I'm very excited. I mean, clearly, I'm very excited about this subject. Mm -hmm. We haven't really been able to get a word in edgeways. Uh, It will be the same next month because I'm equally excited about talking about psychological safety for greater performance, engagement and retention. Exciting times, everybody. Mm. Um, As always, you can connect with us in a load of different ways. Uh, We are always at the end of a phone should you want to have a natter about anything, preferably invoice related, so I can send you one. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, yeah, we'll talk to you next month. Bye. Thank you.